0: the honorary member of West Valley Baptist Church, known as Bop Bop, and uh, somehow she bribed or finagled her way into our church directory, and so when you see Barbara Pyle in there, she is um, there, (laughs) and I I told her it's a sign that they're eventually going to end up here, and so many of you are praying to that end, and so praise the Lord. All right. I'm just going to keep bugging my dad about it until he quits coming, <laughs> or moves, or tells me to be quiet. <laughs> All right, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 20, uh, dealing with the last four verses of our text, Philippians chapter 4, verse 20, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So within this series out of chapter 4, We have in the conclusion of Paul's letter to the Philippians uh, what we're calling a mini-series. And the series within the series is this, glory, greetings, and grace. Last week we dealt with glory unto Him, the glory of God, and living a life that glorifies Him. Tonight we're dealing with verse number 21 and 22. And uh, the extended title is this, glory, greetings, and grace. The gospel makes greetings possible. The gospel makes greetings possible. And so hopefully that will be meaningful to you by the end. We've already asked the Lord to bless the preaching of his words. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Now, as you know, in our text, Paul wrapping up this letter, like you learn in any letter writing, class, or public speaking class, or report giving class, you want your conclusion to be a strong part of the letter, to be a strong part of the speech, to be a strong part of the report that you're writing, because it's the last thing that the audience is going to hear, it's the last thing that the reader is going to read, and so you want it to convey certain things that matter. And so as Paul concludes this letter, he reminds them of three very important things that we began dealing with last week, glory, greeting, and grace. Tonight we are finding ourselves in verse number 21 and 22. Please allow me to read them again. Read along with me. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. First of all, I want you to notice the salute of the saints. The word salute means to acknowledge or to show respect towards. It is a greeting that demonstrates to the person that you're saluting or that you're greeting that you value them, that you respect them, that they have a place of esteem in your eyes and in your heart. We see the word in verse number 21 it, or excuse me, verse number, yeah, verse number 21. The brethren which are with me greet you. The word greet means a word or sign of welcome. The, the idea is like this, it's a verbal hug. It's a verbal embrace. It's not just this casual, indifferent, hey, how you doing? But when you greet someone in the sense that the word is used here, when you salute someone, it's like you are... As I say to you now when we assemble together during some of these unique procedures and processes, I say something like this. I'm hugging you in my heart. You're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But that's kind of what these words mean. To salute, to greet. It's It's to speak to someone. It's to express to someone that you care about them, that you value them, that they matter to you. Notice also... The word brethren. It's a family word. And it speaks to having a connection. It speaks to having a relationship. It speaks to someone that is important to you. And then you notice the word saint. This is an amazing word. It says in verse 21, salute every saint. Verse 22, all the saints. The word saint or saints refers to someone who is sacred or blameless, a holy one. Now, we can all understand talking about people that we value, people that we respect, people that we hold in high esteem or high regard, but I want you to consider the use of the word saint because that takes things to a different level, and we've got to ask the question, when, you, when the label that you're giving to people means sacred or holy, or set apart exactly who is who is people who excuse me who is Paul talking about and who is Paul talking to we'll consider the people that he's writing to the philippian believers the church at philippi those that had been saved by trusting in Jesus Christ we're talking about people like the philippian jailer you go back to acts chapter 16 and when paul and silas were beaten meaning that this man this philippian jailer was complicit in the cruelty of the roman empire he was a part of that tyranny and he was a part of that violence and he was a part specifically of the inflicting and containing paul inf- inflicting damage and containing paul and silas and yet when that earthquake happened it wasn't just the bars of the prison that were opened; it was the bars of his heart that were open and at some point during that process he goes home and he gets baptized. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, before he got baptized, something else happened. And that's what Paul and Silas deal with in verse 31 of Acts 16. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And he got saved. And people in his household got saved. He was born again into the family of God. Look at chapter 4. Let me remind you of the earlier context of this. Verse number 2. Yodias and Syntyche, two sisters in Christ who were at war with each other. They were at odds. They were being selfish. And it doesn't matter the technical right or wrong of the issue they were arguing about. The point is that within their arguing, they forgot about greater eternal principles, that sometimes you can have a right opinion or you can have a preference, but whether or not that is followed or that is agreed with, doesn't really matter eternally, and so as a family, as a family of God, you've got to keep your eyes on eternal things. And so these two sisters in Christ who should have been loving each other, they should have been encouraging each other. Rather, they're at odds, and their feud with each other is spilling over into the rest of the church family, and Paul's trying to deal with that. So we talk about the Philippian jailer. We talk about Yodius and Syntyche. We can even consider the man who's writing this letter. You know what he was before he wrote this letter? He was a religious killer. Yeah, he was educated. He was zealous for the establishment, corrupt religion of the Jews. He, he was a part of a religious system that abused and oppressed people and took advantage of them and sought only to enrich and promote himself and his ideology. But then he got saved on the road to Damascus, and the Lord called him out, and he responded with a repentant, humble heart towards God when he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You, see, you see, These people are all from different backgrounds, and this is what they all have in common. None of them on their own are saintly. None of them are saintly. You have a man who is a part of a violent, tyrannical government. Overseeing people being beaten and imprisoned. You have two women who even after saved, they fight over things that are not worth fighting over. And lose sight of eternal value. You have a man writing this letter who before he met Jesus Christ, he he is in a position of power and authority and he uses that to cast men and women into prison simply for following Jesus Christ. But at some point in all of their lives, they recognize this. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And that's why this phrase is so important. Look at verse number 21. Salute every saint. These three words. In Christ Jesus. You know what made them saintly? It was their relationship with Jesus Christ. It was their faith in Jesus Christ. It was was his righteousness. It was his forgiveness. It was his holiness attributed to their account. And that that work of the gospel created a, a bond between these believers. When Paul is dealing with Yodas and Syntyche, he's reminding them of the bond that they have. Remember back in Acts chapter 16 that when Paul and Silas could have allowed the Philippian jailer to kill himself, rather they called out, do thyself no harm, we're all here. And he called on Jesus to be a savior and trusted in him. And then he takes Paul and Silas home with him and he dresses their wounds and he provides nourishment and physical care for them. You talk about the believers that are in Philippi, the believers that Paul is referencing that are in Rome. Wherever they're at, the power of the gospel created a bond between these believers that was supposed to compensate for all of the things that were different about them. It doesn't matter that you were a Roman jailer. It doesn't matter that you have different opinions about certain things. It doesn't matter that you were a religious zealot for the wrong ideology. All of those things, while they were a part of your life, They're not the defining characteristic. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ, and that binds you together. The gospel creates bonds between believers. That's why Paul, writing about believers in Philippi, writing about believers in Rome, and even more phenomenally, which we'll get to in a moment, writing about believers in Caesar's own household, those believers had a relationship that wasn't based on any external factor. It was based on their connection in Jesus Christ. Now here at West Valley Baptist Church we have some people who would be city folks. Some people who would be country folks. We have some people who would be coastal folks. Some people who would be farmer folks. We have some people that voted one way. Some people that might have voted another way. We have some people that have had Perhaps sexual sin, some that have sinned with substance abuse. We have people that have been abused. We have people that have been abusers. We have people that were fearful and disobedient, and some that were angry and bitter. We have some from this nation, some from that nation. We have some that are fair-skinned and some that are darker-skinned. We have some that are poor and we have some that are not. We have some with great education. We have some with less education. And the danger is in a society that loves to divide people based on externals like politics, like what part of the country or world you are from, or your skin or your accent or your neighborhood or the way that you are raised, we have something greater that compensates for everything about us that is different and that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, man, what, about, what about the things that that person has done? Okay, what about the things that the Apostle Paul did? Say, okay, what about the direction their life was going? What about the direction of the life of that Philippian jailer who traded any kind of ethical treatment of innocent prisoners so that he could make a living. You say, what about all these different things? Can I just tell you what compensated for all of that and what brought them into a bond together was their relationship with Jesus Christ. Regardless of the differences, we have a bond. And it's not based on any other factor but this, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the truth. Let's be honest. I'm not living in la-la land. I'm not living in rainbow, rainbow and unicorn land. Thank you. We're not. Here's the truth. We don't always agree. And when we don't, I'm right. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Everybody breathe. We don't always understand. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? And then sometimes we're guilty of coming to conclusions before we even understand. We don't always connect equally. In some personalities, they don't do this. They kind of do like... But here's what we should be doing. Because we have a bond in Christ. You ever seen that J.B. Weld stuff? Take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you mix it together. When you take a little... When you take the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the grace of God, and when you take the justification of Jesus Christ, it should, say, it should just remove to the peripheral all of the differences. And it should help us to begin to love one another unconditionally and consistently because of this, because we are in Christ. And can I remind you that it's not just at West Valley Baptist Church, but we have brothers and sisters and fellow saints in places like China In places like Uganda, Ecuador that we read about tonight, Sri Lanka, India, Japan, Zimbabwe, Mexico, Russia. And this is what we have in common in spite of everything that is different. And the things that we don't understand and questions we cannot answer is that we are all redeemed by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we all find our status ultimately identified under the banner of his cross. The gospel Binds us together. I've even had some of our dear brothers and sisters make this statement. My faith family became closer to me than my own physical family. You know the statement, blood is thicker than water? That's true when you're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. That cleanses us from all sin. The gospel binds us together. That's the salute of the saints. But then I want you to notice the location of the saints. Verse 22 All the saints salute you chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. The Caesar at this time that Paul is writing this, the Caesar that Paul appealed to when they tried to try him, to have a trial for him before the Jews, the religious establishment, the Caesar at this time, was one of the most, if not the most, notorious of all the Caesars, Nero. This is what historians write about him. Not necessarily Bible scholars, secular historians. One named Patrick Ryan, and by the way, I'm not going to read most of what they describe because it's just so corrupt and vile, it's not even worth talking about. But Patrick Ryan wrote this, Nero murdered Thousands of people, including his aunt, stepsister, ex-wife, mother, wife, and stepbrother. Some were killed in searing hot baths, poison beheaded, stabbed, burned, boiled, crucified, impaled. Thousands of Christians were starved to death, burned, torn by dogs, fed to lions, crucified, used as torches, and nailed to crosses. He was so bad that many of the Christians thought he was the Antichrist. He even tortured and killed the Apostle Paul, and the disciple Peter. Robert Draper wrote in the National Geographic, this Nero instructed his own mentor, Seneca, to commit suicide, which he dutifully did. He presided over the wholesale arson of Rome in AD 64, and then shifted the blame to a host of Christians who were rounded up and killed or set aflame so as to illuminate an imperial festival. That's the Caesar that we're talking about. Not exactly a leader that you would say is friendly towards the gospel. But it's in this environment which Paul was taken to Rome. And it's in this environment that for a time he was allowed to preach the gospel from his area of confinement. This is what the gospel was up against, a deviant psycho who had no regard for God, no regard for his own biological family, no regard for anything but the corrupt and filthy impulses that randomly uh, affected him and moved him. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the, what's the word? Power of God. The cruelty, the perversion was not enough to stop, notice this, to stop people in Nero's own house from getting saved. Okay, I don't know if you're getting this at home. I'm not sure we're getting it. Okay. (laughs) I'm living with that guy I don't want to do anything that messes with his mind he's already volatile he's already fragile and uh, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to survive and yet during one of his rampages during one of those times when he's rounding up believers I observe it from a distance and as I stand in the shadows of Nero's household and I I look out and I I see these Christians being rounded up and killed. And rather than hearing them curse and scream and defy, I hear them instead saying prayers to God in the name of Jesus. I hear them singing songs about His grace and His forgiveness. I hear them lifting up their voices to God. As it's told in books like the Fox's Book of Martyrs and other accounts that detail, not just that Christians were persecuted, but in the incredible way that they went through the fire and the flood and how they didn't become disdainful or arrogant or angry, but they submitted their lives to God even in the face of such violence. And as one of Nero's household, I peer from the shadows of his terrible rule and I see that and something begins to stir within me. And I ask myself this question, what do they have that I don't? And quietly, privately, Discreetly, I begin to investigate, and one day I find myself in the presence of a broken man who has so borne the marks of physical abuse, and yet his countenance is filled with joy, and he tells me about Jesus, and I get saved. I'm telling you, there's no barrier that the gospel can't break through. There's no perversion, there's no violence, there's no hate, there's no complete unreasonableness that the gospel cannot break through. The gospel can break through any barrier. Now today, we have barriers to the gospel. We have the barrier, think with me, come on, we're almost done, stay with me. We have barriers to the gospel. We have the barrier of fear and social distancing. No, there's a place for precaution, there's a place for wisdom, there's a place for being concerned with others, but we have, we have created not a pandemic of a virus, we have created a pandemic of fear, where in many cases, people are afraid to interact on any level. We have the barrier of race and suspicion, we have the barrier of politics, we have the barrier of the barrier of financial differences we have the barrier of misunderstanding we have the barrier of presumptions and yet the gospel when it's faithfully preached and lived out can penetrate it can break through any barrier no this is happy oh i'm aware of the sexual deviation of our day no oh, i'm aware barriers. But I don't care where a person is and what they've fallen into. The gospel can break through that barrier. No, it's the power of God. No, I'm aware that people have suspicions of people like us. You know, you fanatics, and you go to church, and you do stuff together, and I mean, sometimes you raise your hands, and I mean, you, you praise the, the Lord. Now, I'm aware people are, I'm aware people are suspicious of it. Hey, can I, let me just, again, some transparency. I'm aware that people are suspicious of church leaders and pastors. And when you consider the abuses of power, not, not just in other organizations, but even in churches that would be similar to ours, I understand some of the suspicion. But this is what I know. There's not a barrier that the gospel can't breakthrough. It's the, the message of the love of God through Jesus Christ can penetrate any barrier. It doesn't, it doesn't just come along and blow it up all at once, but it's like water. It's just dripping and running steadily and slowly over time. It erodes and breaks away at those things that would hold it back, and then a drip can eventually turn into a steady flow, which can then turn into a running, powerful, raging force. That transforms people's lives in spite of all of the obstacles to it. The gospel can break through any barrier. So the two thoughts were this. The gospel binds, can bind anyone. And the gospel can break through any barrier. Statement, the gospel of Jesus Christ can break through any barrier, bind any believer. So, I like to go to Home Depot because of how it makes me feel about myself. Just go on some jeans and some boots. Just walk around like I own the place, man. Just feel good. Smelling wood. You know what sawdust is? It's man glitter. I like the. I just go by Brother Robbie's job site, throw some sawdust on me, and then go to Home Depot like I know. And I belong here. People walking up to me, sir, you, you need any help? No, nah, I got it. got it. I remember when I was in, I think it was Home Depot, may have been the other store. <laughs> Lose, I'm just messing around. <laughs> but we were doing some kind of home project in Louisiana, and uh, we were probably building shelves for our 8,000 kids, and their 16,000 pairs of shoes or something, but we we are going to do this project at home. And I think it was Andrea that informed me of this. I'm wondering, how are we going to cut all of this lumber? Because it's big. I mean, and I, It's just big. And it's going to be tedious and hard, and I don't want to make a mess of it. And then Andrea informed me, you know they have saws in the store, right? <laughs> big saws. And you just tell them the measurements you want. And you go home with your lumber cut and all you got to do is start drilling. It's amazing that people can go into a store, people like me, can go into a store and have access to something so useful like that and not even make use of it. Just Don't realize what you have, how effective it can be. Here's the danger. We have a powerful force in us called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can bind any believer in spite of their differences. And it can break through any barrier in spite of how difficult it is. But here's the danger. We don't live it and we don't give it. We don't live it. We don't allow it to bind us together. Like Yodas and Syntyche, we become bitter. We remain indifferent. Look, I want to encourage you. I'm I'm about to make a statement. Brothers and sisters at home, my brothers and sisters here, I don't want you to misunderstand the statement. I have heard this sentiment expressed over and over and over again, and I do nothing but rejoice. But I've got to caution you about this. I've heard this expressed by many people. One of the things, one of the positive things, that has come out of this coronavirus is the ability of people to interact on a different level with people they did not know. And I think all of, all of you in one way or another, all of us in one way or another, have learned some things about some folks we didn't previously know, and we've gained a greater appreciation for people. Can I tell you this? It shouldn't take a coronavirus for us to engage with people. It is not good for a church family if the only time we get close is when there is a pandemic. I do, not, I do not say that critically. I understand that it can be challenging, and I understand that we can fall into the rut of Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, go home. And we just get into these patterns, and we get into these routines. And so I thank God for something that has broken up that routine, and that has caused the people of God to increase their awareness of and their appreciation for individuals that make up this family of faith. But we can't, we can't continue to wait for the next thing to happen in order to be aware and to appreciate one another. I hope you understand the spirit that I'm saying that in. And there's a danger that when things get back to normal, we can, be, we can begin to fall into our routines again and that we allow indifference to creep in and we don't consistently put forth the effort to love one another. There's a danger There's a blessing in that things like this adversity from without can bring us together, can't it? That's good. It's a blessing. Somebody in here, please say amen. Amen. I'm thankful for that. I rejoice in the Lord over that. I'm thankful that he uses things like this to strengthen the foundation and to bring us into closer relationships with one another. But if we're not careful, and as we begin to get back together, they're going to... There are going to be things that come up that we don't see 100% eye to eye on. And we're going to have these times of disagreement. We're going to have these struggles. And it can be be that we can allow division to creep in over things that are not eternally significant. And just like Yodis and Sintiki, we fail to live out with our own family the truth that has completely transformed our eternity. As an example... Why is it that the person who who knows me and and loves me the best in my wife can be the person that gets the worst from me sometimes? Here's why. Because we take each other for granted. And we lose sight of what is eternally important. Brothers and sisters, I'm fine. I'm fine with you having your opinion. You better make sure, though, That you keep your opinions in their proper place. And when it comes to the things of God and the people of God and the direction of this church, you admit this. I'm not God and this is my opinion, this is my preference, but I'm going to stay on board. As long as this church is trying to move in a direction that loves God and loves people, I'm not going to let disagreements about less eternally significant things cause division in my heart. Because just like it did for Yotas and Sintiki, it would spill over. And sometimes the people we, sh- we should appreciate the most, we take them for granted. and We become irritated with them. And that will spill out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. We don't forgive or seek forgiveness. Number two, not only do we not live it with our own family, but we don't give it. This is what we do. We doubt its ability. We doubt the ability of the gospel to break through. You may not have said this verbally, but I wouldn't be surprised if every believer had thought something like this at one point. Maybe it was just fleeting, but this came to your mind. I'm not really sure there's any hope for that person. I'm not really sure they can get saved. I'm not really sure someone like them Okay, brothers and sisters, be real. Be real at home. We're surrounded by people like them. What do you mean? People that are different. People that are living a much different lifestyle. People that are going a much different direction. People that have all kinds of differences about them. And just just like in that day. Man, I'm not sure somebody in Nero's house. I mean, Paul, go go minister where it will be more effective. No, wait, wait. You don't find the right environment for the gospel to be effective. Because the gospel is effective in every environment. You just sow the seed and let the work of God take place in the hearts of people. But this is what we do. We can witness selectively. We can reach out selectively. We don't make an effort. We conclude that that person cannot be reached. That person look at at who they are. Look at how they are. Look at all of these things. Look at the bumper stickers on their car. Come on, you know you analyze people by their bumper stickers. You've got these death traps that are being held together by the 8 million bumper stickers on their car. Talking about all of the agendas that they promote. And you, you know you want to cut them off. <laughs> want to tap their bumper a little bit and see if it falls off. Okay, maybe I'm just talking about me. <laughs> Man, what, what about that person? What about that person? No, what about that person? What about that person? Before you start identifying people's bent and people's political persuasion and all these other factors that make you nervous about them, you ought to consider this. Are they going to spend eternity somewhere? Did Jesus die for them? Then maybe at the very least I should say hi to them where it goes. Maybe, maybe I should just give them a try. Maybe just leave it for them. Maybe, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should not underestimate what the gospel can do in the heart of somebody. The gospel can break through any barrier, and it can bind any believer, but we must live it, and we must give it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you please stand together? Your homes here in the sanctuary. Miss Brenda is going to begin to play. In just a moment, Brother Adam will begin to sing. And if God has spoken to your heart in some way, I want to encourage you to respond to Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you for the Lord to answer these two questions Am I living it? Specifically, Paul was dealing with a church family, Paul was dealing with a family, an extended family of faith, I want to ask you, are you living it out with other believers like you ought to be? Number two, are you trying at any level to give it out? Is there an effort to do something to help people know Jesus Christ? And if the answer to those questions, one or both, in one way or another is... There's areas that I'm not living it out. My my attitude's not right. My effort isn't right. I'm not giving it out. My, My estimation of what the gospel can do, my skepticism of certain people, it's not what it needs to be. Then would you please respond to the Lord. Father, help us as we humble ourselves before you to be examples of the power of the gospel, that it binds us and that it can break through any barrier. God bless your people as they respond in Jesus' name. While Brother Adam sings, you respond if the Lord's spoken to you. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've tried. your attention this way. Thank you very much With Adam and Miss Brenda. So grateful for the opportunity to be together tonight to have church I'm sure looking forward to being together on Sunday. Uh, let me remind you of a couple of things. Number one, don't forget to participate in the photo contest. Get those photos posted to Facebook. Uh, Team colors get a picture of your family in front of an American flag. And there's some great photo opportunities out there, man. I love being an American. It's not the most important thing, but I'm grateful for it. Hallelujah. And so in light of Memorial Day that we just celebrated, let's make sure we get those in and score some points for your team. There's rumors floating around about what the prize is, and those have yet to be confirmed by the people whose opinion matters. And so we'll see what happens about that. (laughs) Just messing around. I hope you're uh hope you understand that um so participate in that and then i forgot to mention this during the prayer time it happened later in the afternoon and i didn't write it down so forgive me for that but pray continue to pray for paul selvage they they took him in and thought he was going to have to have another procedure um they were a, they were able to clear the tube and so they didn't do the the surgery that they were anticipating but this continues to be quite a roller coaster for him and uh, he could definitely use our continued prayer as well as mom and dad, and so just continue to lift them up before the Lord. I sure do love each one of you and appreciate you being a part of the services tonight. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning, the Lord willing. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Good night. Good job, peeps. Way to go. Hey, thank you for being here tonight. So y'all get to go from Wednesday night to Sunday morning. Sound good, right? Amen. Sunday morning. All right. Let's make sure to have a great day then. Have a great rest of the week. If you are helping with the cleaning, go ahead and start that process. We can move the fellowshipping out to the foyer and that lets everyone get it started in here.